Hi, it's Stuart Love checking in here. Um, last week, we got one of our hosts, um, Kiru, um, that's Soup Deep's son, um, to ask Kurt Warner a question. And Kurt, within 45 minutes, responded. So a massive thank you to Kurt Warner. Um, thank you, Kiru, for the question. And for our listeners, enjoy the show. Hey, my man, I appreciate the question. What is my favorite part about winning the Super Bowl? Well, the favorite part is being able to enjoy that with the rest of my teammates. There is nothing better than getting a group of guys or a group of people together for one cause and being able to come together no matter what your background, no matter what race, no matter what religion, but a bunch of guys saying, hey, we are in this for one purpose and we are going to come together and put everything else aside and we are going to accomplish that one goal and that goal is to be the best at what we do. So that's my favorite part of winning the Super Bowl. The other part that I really enjoyed about winning the Super Bowl was it allowed me to prove to myself that all those things I believed over the years because I'm not sure if you know little man but it took me a long time to get to the NFL. I had a lot of bumps in the road and a lot of people tell me that I was never going to make it and that I wasn't good enough. So to be able to win the Super Bowl with my guys and to be able to prove to myself that all of that stuff I believed over those years that it was true, that I really did belong at that level was the other reason I really enjoyed winning the Super Bowl. Again, I thank you for your question. I appreciate you being a fan. Good luck to you. Greetings everyone and welcome to the 4th In Inches podcast with your hosts Stuart Love, Sukhdi Puni and Ryan Edwardson. Hi everyone, welcome to the flagship show and thank you so much um, Nick Lowe uh, from the College Podcast for stepping in for me last week. Um, I was absolutely floored um, as I'm passing kidney stones and I was in no fit state to talk ball as much as I, I did. I mean, Ryan, you've been through kidney stones before or you've had kidney issues. It's not fun, isn't it, buddy? No, it's, it's probably the worst pain I've ever had in my life. Yeah, I keep saying that, and obviously I'm still very, very good friends with my ex-wife, and she's like, it's just like man flu, and I'm like, no, it's like having a baby. Even though I don't know what's like having a baby, I've been there when three of my children have been born, and I can tell you that's what kidney stones feel like. But for our fans and listeners, um, we've got a little bit of news. We're going to be mixing things up, um, and, and we're going to go a wee bit back to basics, uh, what we were doing in the off-season when it was Gareth um, and Souk. And we're going to start bringing fans back on to the, the podcast because due to popular demand, uh, some of our most listened to shows involved the Washington, um, when everything was changing with the franchise, mm. um, when we'd done the Black Lives Matters, and Soup Deeps brought that up as well, that it would be quite nice to, you know, not just spend two hours talking about ball that you guys have already watched the game, but bringing you, the fans, because we are one of the most listened to podcasts now mm. in the UK, but it's about involving you, what do you think, Suk? Great idea. Yeah, and I've already got um, 
I mean, just breaking news. I've got two guests already lined up for next week. So um, I've got two guys, uh, very friendly. Uh, one guy is called Joe. The other one's called Donald. Um, they just want to talk a bit. Of, uh, just want to talk a bit of ball. Talk about you know one one likes the blue team, the other one likes the red team. Um, they just want to just want to talk ball, you know, and just you know they're, they're really nice guys. So if we can get them on next week, that'll be that'll be great. I think what and I mean and that was yeah, one of them's yeah, gonna be a bit busy. Go, go yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that was the, the the one thing when we started the podcast was that w- me and Soup, especially, we were fans of the game, and we got together and decided we should make a fan podcast, and then we just decided that we wanted to be you know Neil Reynolds and all the rest, and just get all analytical, but. Hubbin fans involved in the podcast is amazing because I love to hear their stories and their, their way of thinking and how they see the game and how they see their team. So it's it's super, super important. Yeah. Um, but Sukman, how are you doing, boy? Three, three podcasts a week, are you holding up? Yeah, I'm doing all right. As I say, I'm with, with the college one, I don't have to worry about it too much. Even In all honesty, like I said, I'm kind of the bit part player in all three. So it's not like I'm the sort of main... Um, you know, showcase, should we say. But with this uh, idea of what, what you said about the fans, no, I think it's brilliant. And what I would urge anyone is, if you feel that your team needs a platform for any particular reason to be on a podcast, if there's a group of, you know, your friends who are fans of a certain team and you think there's a certain thing that you can bring to the podcast, you know, hit yes. us up on social media because obviously I've had ideas of maybe bringing... Um, some Giants and Jets fans in maybe in the coming weeks to sort of discuss, you know, their current um, franchises in terms of how they're doing. But if you feel that y- your teams, um, you know, should get some limelight, because at the end of the day, not every team we appreciate, not every fan base gets that kind of uh, love. Uh, what we want to be as a podcast is someone who can spread that to, you know, to all 32 teams. Um, so, you know, we've done Absolutely. it with Washington. We've kind of hit it with the Jags when it comes to the international series. So, yeah, doesn't matter which team you follow. We're always happy to listen to your suggestions, you know, and always well, definitely hit them up. Of course, I mean, we've got a special one, um, and you guys will love it. Paul Brown's going to come on two days before we play um, the Browns in Cleveland in January. So that'll be another special one um, and, and, and just get it heated up and just get that you know, banter going, which is, is super exciting. But for anyone that wants to know more about the, the Fourth Dimensions Network, um, we've got the college podcast and we now have a Roger Goodgrove section. So this week is incredible. Um, we've got basically, we've got Soup, Christian and the, the, the guys. I mean, for me, it was, it was a bit crazy, actually, the way that this all came about. We, Gareth left for personal reasons and we moved on and we decided you know what, we're going to go into the college section and we're going to do the uh, Roger Goodrow's officiating section. So basically Nick, Trishan and Souk, they're actually going to take you through some of the big games from week 9 of college football, including wins for Clemson, Auburn, Cincinnati and more. Plus, there's a sneak beat clip honestly, this is amazing, from two-time Super Bowl winner uh, Syracuse safety, Anthony Smith, who won a Super Bowl with the Steelers, then he won a Super Bowl with the Packers against the Steelers. That interview will be out mm. this Friday. Um, also in the Roger Grugel section, and it's incredible this week. I mean, if you want to know all things officiate and, and just pick his brain, listen to Souk uh, going forward. I know Souk, it's an absolute joy for you to do this. It's probably one of your favourite uh, podcasts to do. So um, look yeah. out for that on the 4th and Inches podcast network where you will get college officiating and the flagship show. But for you as listeners, we're all here to talk about week eight and 
Where do we start? Pittsburgh Steelers, 7-0. Here we go. Um, basically, my Steelers travel to Baltimore um, to take on the Ravens in week eight for a key divisional matchup. Um, I mean, before we even went into this game, you think about last year, um, they beat us 26-23, um, and then 28-10. We were 8-8. Eight and eight. Our O-line was horrendous with Mason Rudolph. We had uh, Duck Hodges as quarterback. In that game, um, 26-23, obviously, we sacked Lamar Jackson three times. So going into this game, we always knew that the defence was going to be absolutely crucial going forward because if you look at the game before with the Titans, the offence was a bit flat. was a bit flat. But, you know, the Ravens' defence dominated in the first half, forcing four turnovers and jumping over a 7-7 lead. The Steelers bounced back in the second half and won the game, obviously, 28-24. The Ravens ran... For 265 yards and a touchdown led by rookie running back J.K. Dobbins, 113 yards on 15 carries. The Steelers were held in the check on offence most of the game. However, Chase Claypool reeled in the game-winning touchdown late in the fourth. So if we go back and we just look at that sort of first half, and I was watching this game um, socially distancing with uh, Jamie Hawkins, who was on the, the, the podcast last week, you know, on just the third play of the game, Pittsburgh intercepted Lamar Jackson and returned at 33 yards to take it to a 7 0 lead. And I was like, wow, we're just going to go on an absolute blitz here. And the Ravens responded with 17 unanswered points, including touchdowns to wide receivers Mile Botkin and running back Gus Edwards. They entered the half up to 17 7. Now, if we just quickly go into that sort of second half of the game, um, the, the, the Steelers, they came out, I was a bit worried to be honest, but they came out firing in the third quarter. Ben Loughberger, he found tight end Eric Ebron for an 18-yard touchdown uh, to cut the lead to 17-4. Then the Ravens, um, after that punt, the Steelers drove down the field and regained the lead on a James Conner rushing touchdown. Baltimore opened up in the fourth quarter, which <sighs> my heart was going, with that long drive ending in a Marquise Brown touchdown catch, regaining the lead 24-21 on the following possession for obviously my Steelers. Roethlisberger led them down the field and found Claypool for an eight-yard touchdown catch. The Ravens would have two more chances to regain the lead, but they were stopped on fourth down in the red zone um, after forcing a Steelers three out. Jackson was unable to hit Willie Sneed in the end zone as the clock expired. Now, we're obviously 7-0 and now, uh, remaining the only undefeated team. Yes, guys, the only undefeated team in the league and taking a two-game lead over the Ravens in the AMC North. Um, obviously, we travel to Dallas next week, and well, I'm going to just elaborate this on just quickly next, and obviously, the Ravens now dropped 5-2 uh, and two and looked to bounce back against the Colts in Week 8, which is a difficult game for them. But something that would be quite nice, obviously, I don't want to go on too much about my Steelers. Yeah, please don't. We're good <laughs> Are you sure? But, 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 but what's interesting is, now that the game... Obviously, Andy Dalton has now been placed on COVID IR. Um, they've now got Ben DiNucci. Uh, he'll be the QB1 for the Cowboys. Now, I'm sorry, guys, but he's going to get absolutely smashed from RD. This is a game that the Steelers could potentially put 50 points on the board, and I'm not exaggerating here. Even against the Titans and Ravens, our offence wasn't firing all cylinders. I actually thought Ben Roethlisberger has been quite poor the last two games. But we've managed to still put a combined score of 55 points in those last two games. So I can only imagine that we should steamroller the Cowboys. But again, I was talking about Andy Pitts from Five Yard Rush earlier today, and he's worried that this could be our banana skin and we slip up. I don't see it. Also, we've now got um, linebacker Avery Williamson, who's absolutely thrilled, and um, was just reading earlier, to be with the Steelers. And I think he can have the same sort of impact as Meek and Fitzpatrick um, had on the Steelers when he came as a first-round pick from Miami. Um, we're 7-0, and 
We'll have the Cowboys away, then the Bengals at home, the Jags, the Ravens, Washington at home, then we've got the Bills away, then the Bengals away, Colts at home, then the Browns in January. I would take 14-2. and two. I think the Ravens at home and the Bills away will be super hard, but we're 7-0. and oh. What do you guys think? Are the Steelers really, really Super Bowl contenders, or do you think they're going to slip up at some point? Um, no, you're contenders. Um, I mean... You know what? If you're seven and zero, um, and well, looking at something right, yeah, I mean, this was this was a massive test. Uh, I mean, you've had two weeks of massive tests. You know, so you had the Titans game, and you had this game against the Ravens. Uh, you know, if you come out of those games unscathed, uh, no injuries, and you know, more importantly, get wins, I would have even said even if you'd only won one of those two games, I'd no, still, I still yeah. would have said Steelers would be. Contenders, so yeah, you're very much in in the race. I think you're definitely in the uh, front seat now for the AFC North, and you, you know you, you're primed to get sort of the number one seed. But I mean, in terms of weaknesses, I think that you're a very good all round team. I'd say your secondary, um, I did have concerns about them, but as Me I say, too, yeah. Minka Fitzpatrick may be now um, turning a corner, but. We'll just have to wait and see. Big Ben still, as you say, he's not firing on all cylinders. It's, it's, think... it's almost, for me personally, it's almost like he's scared to take a big hit. Yeah. You know, he's very, he's even like, if you see some of these passes that he's just sort of tossing the ball forward out of sheer panic because he yeah. doesn't know what to do. And I just think that he's he's potentially injury prone. I mean, I was really worried. Did you see that part in the game when he was actually out in the sideline getting his elbow, yeah, elbow looked, at? looked at? I yeah. was like, no, no, please, no. But, but obviously that defense just kept us going forward. So fingers crossed. I don't. I don't see the, the Cowboys giving us much problems. No. No. Again, you you have to you have to put I, them I in the ground. I, you have to put them in the ground next week because you keep letting teams back Mike in, Tomlin, and you, you've really yeah. got to put your you could put a, your a flag down somewhere and say right we're past this because you've not you're seven and zero. But even then, like the performances haven't been you've not been lighting the world on fire, yeah, have you? So I think. No, You've got well, to well, not being like the Kansas City no. Chiefs of last year. No. You know, where the Chiefs were just steamrolling everyone. No. We're just we're just coming down to our last play and getting a result. You know, and, and, and those last two games, we could have easily lost them on those last yeah. plays. Mm. So so I just think now this is a statement. I think the defense are going to go out and absolutely destroy the Cowboys offense. Mm. And then really, really, you look at that Cowboys defense, ugh. Ugh. Yeah, but it is down to the Steelers' defense that's keeping them in in the hunt in these games. I mean, um, you know, given the fact they they had four sacks on Lamar, I know Kira sort of will go through that in his section. But love that even even sort of the you know number of rushing yards uh, Lamar had, he wasn't really able to sort of play his natural game. And, and I think you, you're quite. I, I think you're very similar to uh, my team, the Bucks. To be honest, in terms of having a very good defence and you just need an offence that's just going to tick at the right times. You don't need to, yeah. you don't need 50, 60 points a game uh, to win these games. As long as your defence is on top each week, then you can afford to maybe just get 20, 30 points and still win. Um, the Steelers, the Steelers could end up like the two seven, uh, 2016 Broncos. But that defence just, you know, uh, Tlaib and Von Miller, they just absolutely destroyed uh, Cam Newton. And I'm not saying that Ben Roethlisberger is bad as uh, Peyton Manning in that year, but we could just be that sort of team that the D just goes out and, and does a job for us. Yeah, you can you can see it happen. But, 
Yeah, but enough of the Steelers. I just really wanted to just drag this out because every listener is going to absolutely hate this. But Sook, you've got a cracking one next. <laughs> well, have I got the Colts and Lions? <laughs> you have indeed. Yeah. Um, Naeem Hines um, doing his best job at... Um, I'm pretty certain he's going to be in the Olympics next year with all this uh, somersaults he's doing. Um, <laughs> fantastic, um, Mr. Hines. I was cringing, to be honest. I really thought he was going to injure himself. Um, so I was just thinking, oh, don't get any more touchdowns, mate, because you're honestly going to you're gonna end up breaking a leg. Um, but, yeah, in all seriousness, in terms of this game, very one-sided game, 41-21 um, to the Colts. Um it was still relatively close up until sort of the fourth quarter, if I'm being honest. But at the same time, I think the Colts, you know, fully deserve the victory here. I mean, their defense is um, their defense is on fire. You know, they're ranked second in the NFL overall. Um, you know, up there in terms of points allowed. Um, you know, and against the pass and against the run. You know, they, they sort of dominated uh, the Lions. Um, to be honest. Uh, the Lions took an early lead to make it 7-0 um, and then obviously Naheem Hines um, you know, made it 7-7. Philip Rivers had a clean game, so that's two games in a row where Philip Rivers has actually um, not really... I mean, he created a turnover in the last game, I believe, against the Bengals, but it wasn't anything that was catastrophic where I'd say, oh, Philip Rivers, you've, um, you know, you're really sort of messing this up for your team. Um he, yeah. if he if he can continue that then really the Colts are I mean I mean they're five and two now so they've they've caught up with the Titans in terms of the, the race for the AFC South. So really that they're, they're a contender for the playoffs now. So it's gonna be interesting to see how things between them and the Titans fare out. Um sort of the key moment in really so it was seven seven and I think um the Colts were going for a play on third down. Uh, it was third and four, I believe. So this was on the Lions' 34-yard line. Seven minutes left of the second quarter. Um, so it looks as if um, Danny Shelton, um, he, he gets to Philip Rivers for a sack at the Detroit 41-yard line. Uh, and that would have forced a, a, a punt for the Colts. But Shelton was called for a personal foul. And once that happened, you know, the Colts capitalised because Jack Doyle got the touchdown to make it 14-7. And then Hines scored. And then really after that, it was just, you know, there was no chance really for the Lions there. But you've got, you got to look at it from from Matt Patricia's point now. It's the three and four. Yeah. You know, really, I don't see the point for them for this season. <laughs> what is the point of them? Um, well, what's the excuse, I think, for Patricia now? Because last year it was that Stafford was out in. Yeah, I know Golladay yeah, injured, but. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's had back to back seasons of um, just sort of mediocrity, which, you know, the Lions fans are used to. But at the end of the day, you brought Matt Patricia in to sort of give you that Bill Belichick sort of um, stand. And it, it's it's not working out to be that way. Matthew Stafford didn't have a bad game, to be honest. Um, I mean, he got 300. No, he didn't. Uh, Got 336 yards, three touchdowns. So, I mean, it was fairly decent. But once again, you know, they've, they've still got to do better. I mean, I can't see them. I think the best they can hope for is maybe a 
top ten pick, and and what what is that really going to get them? Not much, to be honest. You know, sort of moving forward. Um, so yeah, it's not much really to talk about in this game. It was just, no. just it was just a dominant <laughs> sort of Colts performance, um, uh, and I'm I'm impressed with them. They've got Ali Cox back after he was out uh, the previous game. You know, the running game looks good. They've got weapons there. They had Wilkins and Jonathan Taylor and Hines. Well, Hines didn't do much in the running game, but when you've got that sort of dual threat, um, you're always going to cause problems for oppositions. Um, also, big shout-out to Trey Burton. You know, he loves a, he loves a sort of a, you know, a special play, and he got in with a, a rushing touchdown as well. He's always a threat because, obviously, you remember the Super always, Bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, he was very much involved in, uh, you know, the, the the Philly special play there. So, yeah, he, he's he's heavily used as part of that offense. But yeah, um, Colts look good. Uh, very much, um, you know, impressed by them the last few games. Um, I'm trying to think who they got next. Just need to. I think they got the Ravens next, so that's a tough game to be honest. But Cold I think, Raven, they, can, Jay, I think, I think they can get them. I think I think I think the Ravens are there to be had. To be honest, I didn't see. I just said reason. that in my bit. Yeah. I think I think the, the the Ravens going out there that could be a really interesting game. Yeah, but the Colts' next four games. I mean, this is going to tell you where their season goes. So they got Ravens, they got the Titans, then they got the Packers, and then they got the Titans again. <sighs> so that is that is a brutal schedule. Um, so. Yeah, good luck. They come, they come out that two and two. They've done well. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. One and three, they've done well. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. So, over to you, Nick. Who have we got? We've got Chief Jeff. Who's Nick? Nick. <laughs> Nick Loftus. Oh Ryan. my god! Absolute. Fail. Get out of this, do it. So. So when I, when I when I started this, it was Nick Nick Low. I called him Nick Low, and then he actually rattled me. Um, it's Nick Loff. It's Nick Loff. So you said low early. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> Jets chief. Jets chief. Oh man. Um. Uh, all right. I mean, it wasn't apart from a five touchdown performance from Paddy Mahomes. There's not really too much to see, is there? But it was it's actually closer than you'd expect. So. It, the Jets were within a blocked field goal of being 14-12 at oh, half time. So okay. was, the, the Chiefs weren't really firing on all cylinders too much in the, the first half. But once again, the, the Jets just can't put a full game together and they just can't. They don't have an answer to a real NFL team at the moment, do they? The The defense is, oh. is holding up pretty well, even though, you know, it's Mahomes. So you can kind of forgive them conceding that many points. And they did quite well against Buffalo last week. But you just can't stop uh, the Chiefs when they want to be in their their mood, really, can you? It's not not something that everybody can do. After so la- last time out, it was the Chiefs' running game that took control, and this time, I think Andy Reid just said, "You know what? Go out there and just pass them to death," and they pretty much did. Uh, Mahomes had 400 yards. Kelsey Hill and Hardman all had over 95 yards and a touchdown. They put out a fake punt play. I don't know, just testing them out, I guess, for the playoffs against good opponents. It was a, it was actually a pretty good fake punt from a rookie punter as well, Tommy Tommy Townsend, which is a great name for yep. a football hooligan. Um, Tommy. <laughs> Tommy Townsend. Tommy Townsend. You don't want to mess with Tommy Townsend. He will do you. But he, yeah, he. At least he's not. At least he's not Andy Townsend. <laughs> oh, not quite as good. <laughs> Yeah, so Tom, Tommy Townsend zipped the 13-yard pass, and it was a 
bullet. Um, it was a little bit high, so Byron Pringle had to jump a little bit to catch it. But um, yeah, he, he was quite happy with that. I think he he got some commendation from Paddy Mahomes afterwards. But after half time, it's just the again, it's the same as last week. The Jets look completely different, and I mean Sam Darnold. I I don't know what happens to him at the end of the season because he's not really putting down a marker for him to stay as the quarterback, no, is he? Not. He's, not, he's not really got much to play with. But I think, I think at the end of the year, him and Adam Gase are gone. It's inevitable. Yeah. No, I don't know about Donald yet. I think the jury's still out with um, Sam Donald. I, it, once again, it depends on where they fall in the draft. Yeah. If they have the number one pick, it's very, very hard to say no to Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Um, I've literally been listening to a mock draft today and we're looking at sort of various scenarios. So I think with with See, the Jets, but with the Jets, I think you go Lawrence, Fields, and then beyond that, if you have any, if, if they're, say, for example, the Jets were number three in the draft and say Lawrence and Fields were taken, I don't think you'd go and get Trey Lance if you've got Sam Darnold, in my opinion. Um, I mean, they may, they may, they may do, but I don't see it myself. So, I think the the jury's still out with Sam Donald, and I think you've got to give him a, you've got to give him weapons. Number one, he's had never had any weapons to have, you, yeah. you know, contend with. You know, he also needs a good offensive line under him. I think, and he needs a head coach who is actually knows what he's doing. <laughs> actually, a head coach. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm being just, serious. I mean, you, say, I mean yeah. you guys are laughing about it, but I'm actually genuinely being very serious. He he needs a head coach who knows exactly what he's doing. And Adam Gase is, you know, I say it every week. Um, you know, uh, I'd rather have Bill O'Brien than, than Adam yeah. Gase at this rate. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if if, I, if 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 he had a you know, a Bruce Arians, you know, a, a quarterback whisperer or, or or somebody that can get the best out. It'd be really interesting to see what they could get out of him because there's definitely potential there. I just think he's been absolutely wasted. And obviously, you look at it's almost like Jacksonville. They're just getting rid of all their top-end players now. It's just it's sad to see. How many quarterbacks are like that that are just completely wasted because of poor coaching? Yeah. You look at what Tannehill's done, and he was always fairly decent yeah, in Miami, one. and now he's come back and... Stuart's yeah. MVP candidate, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, everyone goes back to yeah. the tunnel, and that's a great example of you know how you can sort of turn things around. And I even um, even look at someone like Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, when he was uh, he, there was a point where at the Forty ers you know, people just had enough of him and thought his career was pretty much yeah. done. And you know, he he came back. You know, he, I mean, he played for the Chiefs and sort of um, obviously with with Washington. He wasn't. He wasn't bad at all. Yeah, so you've got to put him in the right system, always, don't you? Yeah, it, it definitely works two ways. But but then you look at the other side of the spectrum. You've got Bruce Arians. You know Peyton Manning, two Super Bowls with Ben Roethlisberger. He's now with Tom Brady. I don't. I think uh, uh, pick pick six pick six Winston. <laughs> he couldn't do anything. Yeah, there's that. always a limit. You know what? I've, I I don't understand. <laughs> I, I want to just ask this. I mean, you know about Bruce Arians and. I'm a Bucks fan, and I think the amount of him being a quarterback whisperer is a bit OCT, if I'm being honest. You've had Peyton yeah. Manning, you've had Ben Roethlisberger, you've had Andrew Luck. Um, Peyton Manning was Peyton Manning before Arians got involved. Uh, ben Roethlisberger's always had, you know, 
that gunslinger. He's always had Bo Coward, he's had yeah. uh, Mike and, Tomlin, he's always And had... Andrew Luck's been, I mean, before Trevor Lawrence, there was, there was Andrew Luck. So, you know, there's all, these QBs have already been sort of manufactured way, way before uh, Bruce Arians has um, been in the party. And now, I mean, if I'd be happy if they if if they called him the QB whisperer if uh, Brady wins the Super Bowl. But at the end day, Tom Brady's won, you know, six Super Bowls prior to, you know, being with the Bucks. So, Going there. So, yeah. yeah. He's went there with that legacy of being the greatest quarterback of all time. So there's no way that yeah, you can so say, I, oh, I've turned him into something special. Yeah, I, I just, personally, I don't, I don't buy into that. Great head coach, though. I love the guy. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, we're going to go into the New England Patriots, and basically, they basically staggered into Buffalo on Sunday for a clash with the Bills. Um, that Cam Newton-led squad, you know, oh, they exited with a terrible loss. Um, you know, if the final score was any closer than they expected. Um, New England opened uh, with the ball and punted on both of their drives in the first quarter. Uh, Buffalo was able to add seven points on the first drive of the game as rookie Zach Moss found the end zone for the first time in his career. Um, the Patriots picked up an interception and two field goals. Uh, the second quarter, pulling uh, within one point um, at halftime, JC Jackson was responsible for picking off Josh Allen. Um, the Patriots and the Bills exchanged touchdowns in the third quarter uh, with a, a pair of punts mixed in. Uh, for the Bills, it was Moss finding the end zone for the second time. You had Damian Harris uh, took the ball 22 yards uh, to the house for New England. Uh, Newton found Mears for two for a two-point conversion uh, with the game tied at 14. The Bills drove uh, to the red zone once again early in the fourth quarter. Um, Josh Allen punched the ball um, in to take an early in the fourth quarter. Um you know, for that seven-point lead. But the, the Patriots answered as Newton uh, recorded a two-yard touchdown scramble of his own. Uh, Buffalo ensuring that that drive up over. <sighs> They're a mess. I mean, even just thinking about this game, you know, I mean, five minutes on the clock resulted in a Tyler Bass field goal. New England would not go down without a fight, though. Uh, you know, with 4-10 to the play, the Patriots got the ball back and drove 65 yards in three and a half minutes, which was it was actually quite impressive. Harris kept grinding out positive rushes while Newton used a combination of his arms and legs to keep the drive alive. Uh, the Patriots dealt with just two third downs on this drive, uh, converting both in the first downs. Um, on second and 10 in the red zone, Newton scrambled to the left, gaining five yards as he drove at the end of the play. Justin Zimmer exhibited heroics by punching the, the, the ball loose. Um, Buffalo leaped the, the, the Pittsburgh and claimed possession with 31 seconds left. Um, three kneel downs and two the New England timeouts later, Buffalo sealed a 24-21 victory over New England and proven to 6-2, and two, which I'm quite worried about my Steelers going into the it's two games away and moving into what the third AFC playoff spot. The Patriots, meanwhile, fell to two and five. What continues to be, it's crazy, you know, to think that 20 years and now they've not got Tom Brady. Um, if we look a little bit more into the actual game itself, you know, it was 
I thought it would actually work for, for New England. You know, it was windy, it was rainy. Both teams focused on the running games tremendously well. Damian Harris added 102 rushing yards and one touchdown, while Newton also scrambled for 54 yards and a score. Um, as Buffalo's Devin Singletary and Zach Moss both finished with 14 carries each. Um, though the, the former had more yards, I think it was 86 to 81, uh, thanks to Pro Football Focus for that. Um, and later scored twice. Josh Allen also picked up 23 yards and a touchdown and 10 carries in the game. With Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry out, the Patriots relied obviously on J.K.B. Myers um, in the passing game. He finished with six catches for 10 targets and 50 yards. Uh, Damir Bride, James White, Ryan Ezo also had multiple catches um, in the game. <laughs> I, th- I think that the, the Patriots are a mess at the moment. I really, I was just trying to watch this game and I'm like, did, did anyone see the interview after? when Bill Belichick was asked, is Cam Newton your QB? And he just kept his mask on. And he basically was numb for about 30 seconds. And he's like, yeah. Isn't that Bill anyway on a normal day? No, but but I really don't... I I think this is the first time in his 20 years as a head coach at the Patriots where he really is lost. I mean, I think he's really lost... What's happened to Cam Newton, Suk? What's happened? Nothing. Um, he's just been injured. He's he's not performed at a, at a high level for a good number of years. I mean, what were fans expecting when they've got Cam Newton? I genuinely was... I jumped on the bandwagon. I thought, listen, this guy's got a lot to prove. I think if he's coming there fit and healthy, he's going to have a... He's all going to laugh at me, but a potential MVP season. I really thought he could do that. The first two games, he was firing all cylinders. Mm. Then he goes and gets COVID. Then he comes back. What happened to the guy? And it just seems, obviously, the loss of Edelman now. And mm. it's just not that team. And then Tom Brady now is, he's getting better week and week. And uh, Tampa, it's wow. Mm. The teams are completely different, aren't they? Like this is not even close to the Patriots of last year. Never mind the few years before; they're completely no. different, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. I mean, this time last year, Matt Steelers going against the Ravens, the Chiefs, or the Patriots, we were getting beat. There's, there's just no way. Now, you go flip sides. I, I, I would, well, I wouldn't say we would be the most. We have to Chargers keep talking team. about the Steelers, Stuart. Like, come on. Why? Why not? Listen, guys, what? just let me enjoy this, Suk. I, honestly, I cannot wait. I hope it's a Steelers Bucks Super Bowl in in Tampa. We're going over, Suk. Yeah. We're going over. We're not, <laughs> no, not there's a tra- there's a travel ban, mate. We're not going anywhere. There might there might not be a Tampa <laughs> left in a week or so. So God knows. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely not. I mean, the way that this um, election's going That was the one thing I was looking forward to, was not having to see all those election adverts on Game Pass anymore. All the lies being spouted on that. But it's going to drag on for another week or so, and it could be a worst-case scenario, couldn't it? Now we're going to have potential... I mean, now, breaking news, I mean, it's... uh, Biden has just won Michigan, so at least the Lions have won something. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so Detroit finally wins. Uh, <laughs> they're blue as well, but that's the only reason why. That's the only reason why Biden. <laughs> the Lions fans thought, "Oh, blue! I'm going Are there blue. really that many Lions fans? That's savage. No. 
Yeah. Oh, Suzuki, you're savage, man. Right? For those of you counting, it's, <laughs> it's Biden 253, Trump 213. Uh, Michigan's a big one. Uh, Michigan oh. was a big one. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. So, Suk, who have you got? Have you got Mike Freeball and the Titans? Uh, no, I've got Zach Taylor and the Bengals. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Well, what, you know, the, let's, let's give the Bengals some love. They they ended up winning the game. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't say that. Listen, let's give some. Let's give Joe Burrow some yeah. love. The guy is unbelievable. On to you, sir. Yeah. So, Bengals uh, finished this game thirty-one twenty. So, the Titans now things are looking a bit looking a bit iffy now, having lost you know two games in a row. Now they look shockingly poor. I mean, there's a lot of. A lot of fans sort of saying that the officiating cost them the game, but in all honesty, there's a there's a combination of there was bad officiating, if I'm being honest, but there was also a combination of no pass rush, your secondary's poor, and I know they've brought Desmond King in now, uh, who I think is a great um, signing. To be honest, um, is someone I really really rate. But the Titans have got problems. I mean, you can't just keep relying on. Derrick Henry, because if you're falling behind, uh, the Titans can be had. And then, you know, you're having to then rely on uh, Tannehill uh, making the plays. And Tannehill does do a good job. But I think with Tannehill, he needs to be ahead in a game in order to sort of really succeed. And, you know, in this situation where, you know, the Bengals found themselves in a very comfortable position, uh, the Titans then having to play catch up, it's always going to be difficult for that offence to to do anything. But sort of going back to um, the Bengals, you know, a lot of credit to uh, Joe Burrow. He had a steady game. I mean, definitely showing signs as to why he's the best quarterback in last year's draft, uh, in my opinion. Yes. Um, I know it's a a bit early, obviously, given to has only played one game and a few snaps and, Obviously, you know, it's it's too early to say, but Burrow does look like he's going to be, you know, a starting Q-back, um, Q-back, uh, quarterback, Q-back, 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 Chewbacca. Yeah, he's going to be a starting Chewbacca for uh, years to come. And... <laughs> you know what? I'm not even having a drink, I'm joking. This is just natural energy. But the Bengals had Joe Mixon out, so they were using Giovanni Bernard, obviously, in the running game. He had a good game. Uh, Burrows throwing to his receivers. You know, you've got Higgins, Boyd, Tate. Uh, they're all at it. Uh, AJ Green's non-existent, and they don't really need him, to be honest, at the minute. Um, Tyler Boyd's having a having a really good season. Dare I say, even a Pro Bowl caliber season. Yeah, he could be up there in the sort of voting polls. Um their their offensive line is good. They're giving Burrow the time he needs, you know, in the pocket to put these passes together. And even their defense is looking good. Uh, Jesse Bates. I mean, if you look at PFF uh, records, he's having a really good season. He he got an interception today. Um, so yeah, for me, I mean, it's concerning from a Titan standpoint. I I can't understand, you know, these sort of games. They should be taking it by the scruff of the neck and it should be a game that they win. But credit to Zach Taylor. I think it's his biggest win as a head coach of the Bengals now. Um, they've had a li- little bit of uh, turbulent times as well off the field with, uh, you know, obviously the Dunlap trade as well. You know, um, 
he came in firing on all cylinders in terms of having a go at the Bengals staff. And you, you can see, obviously, with John Ross as well, who was demanding a trade move, which never transpired. So, you know, he, he's unfortunately still going to be with the Bengals. But, yeah, uh, credit to them. They've got their second win under Joe Burrow now. So, see what the future holds. I mean, they're hopefully closing the gap on, you know, someone like the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, we'll just see how it goes. But um, they've got your Steelers next, haven't they, the Bengals? Well, no, we've got the Cowboys next, then we've got Bengals. Yeah, but that's who the Bengals have got next, mate. Yeah, Bengals are on the bye, bye, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, because they're on the bye week, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come on, Stu. I I don't think... Get with the program. But but see, Joe Burrow, though, I think he's absolutely phenomenal. If you look at Baker Mayfield's first season coming in as a number one pick, was he was Baker Mayfield Heisman winner? Not was he that was he that year? Oh God, now you're asking me. Or was he 2017 no, 18? I think but if you look at yeah. yeah, but if you look when he came in, you know it was him, it was Nick Chubb, you had Duke Johnson, Anthony Calloway, Richard Higgins, Jarvis Landry. Um, you look at the tight ends, you know, Seth Delaware, you had uh, David Naku. I just, oh, I think. Yeah, so, he's sorry, you this team, but he's doing still, it with you such. Can't, you can't start a player's name and then just stop halfway through. Can you Can you finish that player's name, please? You were saying oh, David, you went David. There we go. <laughs> Oh, you're absolutely. Yeah. But also, on a, on a serious Thanks note, Adam Humphreys did take a massive hit in that game and that looked absolutely nasty. And, you know, I just want to say, you know, wish Adam Humphreys a, a recovery because something like that, you know, that, that kind of hit that he took, um, you know, it's, it's, it's never good to see that. Um, but I, I, think he's, I think he's doing okay. Yeah. But, you, you know, it was a, a massive concern when when was watching that. So in all seriousness, you know, best wishes go out to Adam Humphreys. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, no more slagging my pronunciations of players. I'm Scottish, and um, I think that's a little bit rude. Uh, cheers no, to no, that. you need so, to finish. What's rude is who have you got the players' names? I, I just try and get past it. The players know what I'm talking about. If they're listening, the fans know what we're. Come on, David. Sick, David, give me a break. Anyway, and Joku, you Joku. You're joking. <laughs> Are you joking? Um, <laughs> um, who have we got tonight? We've got yeah, Vikings, Packers, and well, I mean, hands hands up if you had the Vikings winning this one. No, well, no, I mean, chance. they pretty much they no. pretty much put themselves on the back of the returning Dalvin Cook, and he just went off. I am very glad I took him in the first round of my fantasy draft. Forty eight points he yeah. ended up with this week. It's crazy. Um, four touchdowns, three rushes, one through the air, 220 yards from scrimmage. It was, it was all about Dalvin Cook, and it it knocked the Packers kind of off the game a bit. They didn't look amazing even before the the Vikings started to take control. That they, it's one of those games that they had last year, and it had people really questioning whether they were a legit 13 and three. And then they went into the playoffs and got smacked. It was another one of those where Aaron Rodgers didn't quite seem in rhythm. Um, they were without Adam uh, Aaron Jones again. So it was on uh, Devontae Adams. And I think without Aaron Jones, they just lacked that balance. Jamal Williams, Williams is good, but yes. you can't pull the team forward. 
the way that Aaron Jones can. He doesn't he doesn't quite have that same impact. Not not like how Dalvin Cook did for the Vikings. And it was kind of a, a perfect game for all Minnesota Vikings fans because uh, Kirk Cousins only had fourteen pass attempts, one hundred and sixty yards, sixty three of which were to Dalvin Cook. So they they really just took Cousins out of the equation and went for it. And I think that's how Vikings win games this year. It, it definitely worked today. Even then, they kind of gave the Packers a little bit of a chance to to get back into it. And, you know, you give Aaron Rodgers a lead to chase down and he'll chase it like a dog chasing a stake. It's, he loves doing Absolutely. that, doesn't he? yes. Yeah. He almost it almost It was a close game throughout most of it. It was 14 all at half time. But then the Packers kind of shot themselves in the foot with some big penalties on offense. I think Aaron Rodgers had a first and 30 at one point, and you know he's not going to be impressed with that this week at all. Um, and the wind played a factor. I know it definitely played a factor in a few games this week, but in this one, it it put Matt LaFleur off going for some long field goals. They were restricted to 50, 45-yard field goals, and LaFleur decided not to go for it twice. And they failed the fourth down conversions twice. And that really kind of gave the Vikings the edge and managed to let them to get it up to uh, 28-14. But again, yeah, the Vikings, I'd like to say they put a full performance in, but again, they just when it came down to it, they couldn't quite get the first downs they needed. Devontae Adams was stellar as usual. He got he wasn't quite as good as last week, but, you know, if you catch three touchdown passes and a two-point conversion and basically score all the points for your team. Nobody can really criticise you, can they? <laughs> no. um, but it, as as it does with Aaron Rodgers, it came down to a, a last-minute last, last minute drive. The, Rod, the Packers got the ball back. He was completing passes like he was in previous weeks, throwing the ball around. He looked like he was getting into a rhythm, which was really dangerous. And up steps, rookie for the Vikings who comes up and absolutely cleans him out from behind. And, oh, I mean, it creates the yes. greatest photo of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> I've seen for a long time. It looks hilarious. Vikings just dove on. Loss in the first one. It is one of those games where you'd think the Packers should come in and do the business, and they're not. They're still not quite there. They, they've got those frailties in defense. I know Packers fans are really uh, hitting on Mike Pettin, because it was basically the way the, the 49ers beat them in the playoffs last year. Run down their throat. Don't give your suspect quarterback uh, too much to do. Control the game and just see if you can stop Rodgers every now and again. But uh, it's been a really weird season for the Vikings. They're, they're two and five. They probably should have won a few more games, but I don't think they're going to get into the playoffs, so I don't know what what do you guys think Zimmer's really going to be aiming for? Is he just looking for some consistency? Yeah, I mean, I think the playoffs are out of the question because yeah, if you look at the point. NFC, um, I mean, take their division out of the equation. They've got, there's, you know, you, you look at the NFC West, I mean, I think obviously with the 49ers and their injury problems, they're probably out of the, uh, out of contention now, but you've still got, um, the Cardinals, you've still got the Rams uh, in the NFC South. You've got Saints, the Bucks. Dare I even say the Panthers? Falcons, I mean, not yeah. the Falcons. Come <laughs> on, mate. Um, and and 
I was just elaborating. Oh, you really didn't okay, need to mention no. them. Uh, I was also. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll, no, I was talking about who's in contention for the uh, the playoff spots. Yeah. Um, An NFC East team, I guess, has to go in there somewhere, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, there'll only be one from that division. So, yeah, the Vikings, really, they're just... It's a lost season for them, sadly. But I think there's, there's a question mark still with Zimmer. The problem is he's had success with that team. And, and obviously, it's moderate success because they've not won a championship or anything. But... At the end of the day, I mean, there was a time when, you know, when obviously the Minnesota miracle happened. Remember that year, I was convinced they were getting to the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Three years ago, yeah. yeah. That, years that ago. Diggs play. Um, oh, that was brilliant, wasn't it? Scott Hansen. Scott Hansen on Sky Sports going off his rocket, just jumping, like, screaming, and Jeff Reinbold didn't know what <laughs> nice. to do. Is that the best play you've ever seen in your life? It was a, a, amazing. It, it was amazing. I, I, it was one of them where... I, I kind of still remember my reaction. I was just like going crazy, and it was like, "Whoa!" You know, just you—you—you you, you don't forget things like that. But Zimmer, I think he may still be given one more season. You know, f- even if they, you know, do really struggle, I think he's earned himself that. What's interesting? What's interesting though is it's Kirk Cousins, the leader of that team. <sighs> And what, what what would happen if Joe Burrow was in there? Do you think he's doing a job? Well, there's talk about Kirk Cousins. Seriously? Um, I mean, yeah, he's I'm coming. pretty certain he's a free agent. He's coming 80, to the end of that as well. That's, that's nearly expiring. $84 million yeah. about his contract. I yeah, mean, uh, yes. So his... Yeah. And most of it was guaranteed. Yeah, but he's a free agent. So I think there's, there's rumours going around that um, the 49ers are sort of sniffing around him because uh, Shanahan wanted him before um, he he went for the Vikings, so there's talk about the 49ers either getting him or Matt Ryan uh, because they're probably not be- yeah, yeah they're not believing Ryan, in Jimmy G. Yeah. So be interesting to see how that transpires. To be yeah, honest, yeah. Uh, da- Dalvin Cook's green pass in this oh, game was brilliant. He took it around halfway and just cut inside and just shrugged off some of the um Packers defense. It was he's he was he's electric in the open field. He really is. Um I, I've also got a fact of the day. I found found this lovely fact about Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook is from the city of Opatisha Wakaloka in Florida. It has fifty I think it's a I think it's a Florida Seminole uh, based name, but it has fifteen thousand people in it. And most of its buildings are themed after 1001 Arabian Nights. It's an Arabian Nights. An Arabian day. I, I don't really have words for that, but it produced Alvin Cook, so, you know, it's not all bad. <laughs> I'm going to watch Aladdin after this. You sit on your, you're sitting on your magic carpet. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and it's an absolute pleasure for me to say that we're actually going on to our next section, which is Soup Deep's son, Kirut, who is going to talk about all his players and plays. It's his favourite of the week.
Greetings and welcome to the Kirat section where Kirat will talk through his favourite quarterback, running back, wide receiver or tight end or defence of the week. So we're now into week eight, so just gone halfway through the NFL season. Are you enjoying uh, the halfway mark so far, Kirat? Yep. Yep. Uh, what did you think of the Rams uh, this this week eight? I don't think they played that well because they lost to Miami. So. Yeah, and Miami obviously starting with Tua as well for the first time. A lot of people expected the Rams to be all over them, weren't they? But it just didn't turn out to be that case. But uh, no Rams this week, okay? So you've got a week off now, so you can sort of concentrate on some of the other teams, can't you? Yeah. So um, we'll kick start this now. So in terms of your quarterback, who have you gone for quarterback of the week? Patrick Mahomes. Okay, and why have you gone for Patrick Mahomes? He had 416 yards, five touchdown passes. He thrown to 10 different receivers, including three receivers, close or over 100 yards. That's amazing, and that just goes to show the range of um, playbook that Mahomes has where he can use 10 different receivers in a game. Um, we, We appreciate, obviously, it's the New York Jets and... We understand, obviously, they have their problems on defense, but at the same time, you know, it's still um, it could be one of those games where you know teams get complacent. And what I mean by that, Kira, is a bit like the Bucks, where you know they face the Giants and they're not always at their best. So for the Chiefs to still do that is still a, a monumental task. Um, is there was there anything in particular that you enjoyed from Mahomes this week in in terms of sort of plays? The Mahomes deep throw to Tyreek Hill, which was a touchdown, a thirty-five, and it was thirty-five yards. Wow! And why did you enjoy that for yourself? Because I know you were quite happy while you were watching it live on Red Zone. What what yeah. made you sort of happy about that? Because I got fancy points for it. Because he's in my fancy team, and as well, I just liked it because of how deep it was, and yeah. you don't get that much deep throws. Yeah, but Mahomes is definitely someone who who likes to throw the deep ball. And someone like Tyree Kill, where he's got speed to burn, hasn't he? Yeah. He's got so much speed there. But no, that's uh, that's an obvious one. Um, Another obvious one for me, but you might have a different view of this. Um, Can you tell us who your running back of the week is, Kira? Um, Dalvin Cook. Excellent. So uh, why did you go for Dalvin Cook? Because he had 30 carries, 163 yards and three touchdowns. And he had two receptions, 63 yards and one touchdown. That's really good stats, isn't it? But what what in particular did you enjoy about Dalvin Cook and his game? What what did you think was um, what did you think was sort of good about it? Well, because he's so quick that nobody can even tackle him. He's like he's like lightning fast. And versus Packers, a team who are like really hard to beat as well. Yeah, so, so I think the Packers have they've not lost many games this season, have they? So uh, for the Vikings to get that win over you know a team like the Packers, it's uh, it was a bit of a shock. I mean, we didn't expect it, did we? No. Uh, but no, there you go. So Dalvin Cook is your uh, running back of the week. Who have you gone for the wide receiver? Uh, this one's a difficult one when I looked at it, but have you gone with anyone? Um, you know. Have you gone for Tyree Kill? No, DK Metcalf. Oh, no, so not Tyree Kill this time. So why have you gone for DK Metcalf? Because he had 12 receptions, 161 yards and two touchdowns. And what what did you sort of enjoy? I mean, you know, obviously lots of stats there, but is there anything 
that you really enjoyed about uh, Metcalf? When Metcalf goes around from one side to another, and then he has, then he just gets the touchdown. Mm. What did you think was interesting about when he did that turn? Like, what was what was so good about it? His speed. Yeah, so DK Metcalf definitely one of, uh, you know, sort of the elite sort of speedsters in the NFL, isn't he? And he's very he's very good with his um, does that sort of uh, route running. He's very good at. So yeah, that's a that's a very good one. Um, can you just confirm to us who your uh, favorite defense of the week is then? Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers. So uh, why? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Because they were against Ravens. And the defence stopped Lamar Jackson with four sacks, two interceptions, and Lamar only ran for 65 yards. And normally he can do better. Yeah, so you see it. I mean, I know when we play each other on Madden and your Ravens, you sometimes probably get 100 yards in one in one go, don't you? So, yeah. for him, can you imagine a defence like the Steelers just to get 65, you know, just allow Lamar only 65 yards? And even sort of in the passing game, I mean, Lamar's not, he's not really done as much as much as we would have liked this season, has he? So, he's not yeah. playing at that sort of MVP level, because uh, last season, obviously, he was voted the MVP. Um, just out of interest, though, who is your, who do you think's been the best player in the NFL so far? This is going to be an interesting one because you're not prepared for this question. So. I'm not sure, really. If you had to go for someone, who would you who would you say? like Who's who's really stood out for you and you think, yeah, he's performed really well? Well, Derek Henry did perform really well the last few games. So. Yeah, so Derek Henry running back. Any particular, who do you think has been sort of the best quarterback this season at the minute? I'd say Aaron Rodgers, maybe. Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Hmm. He didn't, he didn't do too well against the Bucks though, did he? Yeah, but still, that's only like one game. Yeah. Like, other players make mistakes like that, but even in more than one game, so, like... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, I mean, there's there's so many to choose from, but, yeah, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting one. Um, I mean, you've got Russell Wilson, Tom Brady. Um, Josh Allen's probably out of that running now, isn't he? Um, yeah. The way he's played the last few weeks, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what next week brings us, Kira, but... Everything else good with you? Yeah. Excellent. And you're looking forward to watching some more NFL action over the weekend? Yeah. Fantastic. Well, um, that's great. And, oh, um, uh, just out of interest, uh, Kira, congratulations on uh, the video uh, you you received from Kurt Warner. Uh, how did you feel about Kurt's answer to your question? It was quite nice, wasn't it, for him yeah. to take the time out and do that? Yeah. Yeah, so you were you were you quite happy with that then? Yeah. What did what did you like about his um his answer? Well, because he's a Rams player, mm. and they're my favorite team to like, mm. and we've I've never really done that. Yeah, it's something with a Rams new, player. So. Yeah, and no, that's really nice, wasn't it? And at the same time, you know, you he's the only Rams player to or quarterback, should I say, who won the Super Bowl for for your team? So can you imagine, sort of the the impact? And I know uh, Kurt mentioned about you know his personal story in terms of what he's gone through in the NFL but I think you know something we may need to revisit by watching um, his football life you know just to sort of emphasize exactly you know what Kurt Warner means to football because um, he's an absolute amazing individual and you know I'm sure 
Kira and I, you know, really want to thank him for, you know, that response as well as uh, Jeff Reinbold as well, who's also uh, responded to your questions and and Nat Coombs as well. So uh, you're getting a lot of you getting a lot of love, aren't you, on social media? But um, is uh, is that everything now, Kira, for today? Yeah. Fantastic. So do you want to say bye to our listeners and thank them for listening? Bye and thank you for listening. Take care, guys. So, thank you to Kiru for your section. Again, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Uh, me and your father are absolutely killing ourselves here. But for our listeners, I just want to quickly drop in. How cool was it, Kurt Warner replying to your sunsuit? That was great. He didn't reply to me. <laughs> <laughs> It applied to your son, but... No, no, I'm joking. No, uh, it's... Uh, me and Kurt go way back, mate, so... Um, I, knew, I knew him before you, mate. I knew him before uh, you. Actually, I think I met him before you did as well. No, you didn't. You met him down at Spurs. Yeah, I met him before you did. <laughs> I, I, met, I met him up at Newcastle with Willie McGuinness, uh, Michael Irvin, Cliff Avery. Only, you only tell people on every show, Stuart. Come on. Come on, come on. But this is going to be funny here. Me and, um, obviously, we've just came back from... Obviously, our break, and obviously, his son's had his section, but this is <laughs> this is a funny one. But anyway, I'm going to try and keep my composure here. Um, I've got the the Broncos here, and yeah. basically, for me, I mean, they got the best of the Chargers, and for it was the best weekend. It was the best game of the week. I mean, it was it was brilliant. I mean, Drew Locke's touchdown pass to KG Hamler with zero seconds on the clock tied the game at 30 and Brandon McManus hit that extra point to give the Broncos that wild comeback victory. I was just like, wow. Um, the Chargers led 24-3 early in the second half. Uh, the Broncos suddenly woke up though and outscored early 28-6 the rest of the way, resulting in a 31-30 victory. Both young quarterbacks ended the day with 40-plus pass attempts. Locke was 26 for 41 for 248 yards, thanks to Pro Football Focus for that information. Um, rookie sensation Justin Herbert went 29 for 43 on his way to 278 yards. They each threw for three touchdowns while Locke had one interception to Herbert's two. Now, let's have a little look at the Chargers. Um, you know... They got what they need from the run game, but failed to make the defensive play necessary to secure the win. Justin Jackson rushed for just 89 yards, and Troy Main Pope added 67 more. They were also involved in the passing game, combined for eight catches and 81 yards through the air. Um, Mike Williams bounced back a week seven dud with 99 yards um, on five receptions, including a touchdown safety. Rayshon Jenkins picked up his first interception of the year when he picked off Locke in the third quarter. It was Denver's only turnover in the game. If you look at the Broncos, the Broncos, uh, Philip Lindsay ran for 83 yards on six carries, including a 55-yard touchdown that sparked um, the Broncos' comeback. Uh, fellow running back Melvin Gordon III ran just for 26 yards on his eight carries. He did chip in six receptions through gaining just 21 yards on them. Um, it was a great day for Den- Denver's offensive rookies. Fourth round tight end. <laughs> Please give me a break here, Sue. You just Albert, need to call him out. Oak, 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 Oak Bian. <laughs> listen, listen, Stu, I'm going to help you out here. No one in the NFL community, you listen to all the experts, none of them can pronounce his name. So they just simply go- say... I'm going to so, say it in a Scottish accent. It's Albert Oakwig Biam. 
that sounds good. You can just go with Albert O, but I know that might be difficult for you as well, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm going to kick your arse. So anyway, Albert O, O, uh, caught his first uh, career touchdown on his reception of the game. Um, First round receiver Jerry Judy set a new career high um, for yards with 73 on his um, four receptions. Finally, as mentioned before, second round receiver KG Hamler caught the game-winning touchdown like Big O. It was the first um, of his, his career. Um, defensively, you know, Chubb's sack off Herbert brought him to 5-5 five and five on the season. Defensive backs Justin Simmons and Bryce Callahan both picked up their second interceptions of the season. The Chargers will host the Raiders next week um, in an AFC West showdown. Um, they'll look up to clean up their defence, specifically allowing big plays. Denver hit a few of them in this one, and the Ra- Raiders have their own um, plethora of dynamic playmakers. Uh, the Broncos, meanwhile, um, will look to make it two straight wins when they travel to Atlanta, which I would think that they're going to win um, and build on their, their big rookie performances in that mm. one against that defence, you know, which is, is really poor. That would have been a London uh, game as well. I know, it would have been. But, Sue, you've got a little funny story about this game, haven't you? It's not a funny story, it's just what I've seen. But, um, <laughs> so, you know, the passing... Oh, God. So, you know, the pass interference call at the end... Yeah, <laughs> I mean, do you wanna do you wanna pronounce the guy's name? No, you can go first, and I'll I'll elaborate. <laughs> so I've got. So it was uh, Brandon. <laughs> There's Brandon Baxon, and um, yeah, I put. I remember on our books group, I put a. Uh, I put a picture of uh, him with his name and the pass interference call, and I said, um, if Anthony Lynn, um, you don't have to be a scientist to know what Anthony Lynn thinks of his play. He just needs to say his name. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, obviously, we're a family-friendly family podcast. I'll actually post it on our Twitter, and we'll post it on our uh, Fourth and Inches Facebook page, and you can actually see what we're talking about. But... <laughs> It's actually brilliant. It's brilliant. And I'll maybe do a little video with a Scottish accent just to see it because it's certainly how I would shout at my children um, as well. Um, uh, apologies to the uh, Faxon family as well. No harm, oh, man. I mean, if you want, certainly tweet me about my name. I have no issues whatsoever. Um, but, but it was just something I enjoyed. No, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So, it's over to you, Suk. You've got your you've got to do your sun crowd. Oh, they are for you. Still carrying on. Um, I'll just, I'll just I was just gonna say no. I was just gonna no. no I just want to talk a bit about the charges, to be honest, uh, just briefly. It. So let's I, do I it. Let's do it. I remember sort of last week when they had the Jags game, and um, when I was doing the analysis for that, and I was talking about how the the Chargers were had lost three games after being in a a leading position at half time, and I think. This is this is quite concerning, you know, from a from a Chargers point of view. They had such a massive lead over the Broncos as well. Yes, it did. And to now go lose four games in leading positions at half time and lose such a big lead, I, I think that's cause for concern. I mean, I think every I think that's being kind of taken away because of how good Justin Herbert is being uh, as a rookie QB. But at the same time, you, you know the their defence has got to step up, man. Like, literally. Big time. Uh, and also, one criticism I will have with that offence is you need to you need to produce, you need to be on your game 
for four quarters, not just the first two quarters, and then, you know, put yourselves in a situation where you could potentially lose the game. And I think the Chargers are proving time and time again that that's exactly what they're doing. Listen, so... the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the last two games have came out fiery in the first two quarters, sat back, got a bit relaxed, and we could have lost those two games exactly the same way. For, the, for those of you... not a cue for you to talk about the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, for those keeping count, <laughs> that's, that's now 20 mentions of the Steelers. Wow. I, I did not see the, that one coming. That was that was a pretty good shoehorn there. But I, it's just, just, the Chargers just, are just... They've been this way for, what, ever since I can remember. As I always come back to that Philip Rivers quote of when they blew it and he was just sat on the bench and he just says, we're the bad news bears, aren't we? We're just, they just can't catch a break ever. They always end up messing it up. No, they absolutely really, really, really do. Anything else about the Steelers, Stu, before <laughs> I move on? Yeah, we're, we're going to be 8-0, 9-0, 10-0. Yeah, we're, we're going to be there. It's, oh it's good. You're going to hear a lot about this throughout the rest of the season. <laughs> I preferred it when Dirk Hodges or, was or, around. Or we're going to, yeah, or we're going to be eight and eight before we know it. It's just, <laughs> which would be horrendous. But it's time to make you some proud, Suk. Well, he's certainly not proud of this Rams performance. An absolute dreadful display. Um, and in terms of the game, a lot of the talk was about you know Tua's debut and how much of an impact it's going to you know, have you know, with that Rams defence. Promise the two didn't really have to do much, to be honest. I mean, if I was to sort of describe what this game was, I'd say it was a very Tebow-like performance. Now, what I mean by that is not just because he's sort of a left-handed QB, but he didn't really have to do much in terms of winning the game. I mean, when you look at the sort of box sheet, you know, the stat sheet, you know, he only had 93 yards of offence, passing offence and one touchdown, and yet they managed to win 28-17. So that just tells you the whole story in terms of how the Dolphins managed to win the game. And quite frankly, it was down to Jared Goff, um, unfortunately, making one too many mistakes. I mean, he had sort of one of the worst quarterback performances um, I've seen in you know a long time from him, um, to be honest. So, yeah, concerns for the Rams um, at that front because it's... It, it it was looking like they were sort of, you know, doing really well, at, you know, in terms of cutting out the mistakes and Goff was looking like a serviceable quarterback. But this game has really sort of set them back now. And, you know, from a Rams perspective, you know, they've, they've not got the easiest schedule coming up. So you do have to worry. But the Rams, they got off to a good start. Um, Tua was uh, taken down early by the Rams defence and lost the ball. Uh, the Rams capitalised with that with a, a red zone uh, play, which uh, Robert Woods was used for a run play, which led to the touchdown. Um, at that point, then you know Rams are comfortably seven zero up. Um, Goff throws an interception, which is meant for Cooper Cup. Christian Wilkins um, capitalises that with the interception. Tua then gets his first touchdown um, in his NFL career, so it was third and goal wasn't anything special really it was just through the middle pass um you know he sort of you know got there i think there was a, a flag on the play as well but the touchdown was given in uh, the dolphins favor um at that point then it's the second quarter 
The Rams are second and goal and they're looking like they're going to capitalise and maybe put the game at 14-7. There's a fumble which resulted in the Dolphins then coming back and getting the touchdown. Now, the funny thing about this play was because it happened so, so fast. Now, I don't know if you guys were watching Red Zone or what have you. On the actual screen, it popped up as a uh, Rams yeah, touchdown. See, so the, yeah, the yeah. Ban- so it was weird because my son knew what happened. He saw the Dolphins score a touchdown. And he was just screaming at the TV like, what are you doing, man? Like, he literally <laughs> completely lost it. And then my youngest son, Dalip, uh, who sadly doesn't get much of a mention, but he bless him, he's only, um, he's only four years old. So he's sort of new oh. to, you know, the NFL as well. But he likes, he likes free teams at the minute. So he's still deciding on what his favorite teams are. So he likes the Chargers. He likes the Dolphins and he likes the Panthers. Um, so he's quite clued up with, with the action he sees. So he knows what's a touchdown. And I wish I had this on video, but when the Dolphins were running for that touchdown, he was like, come on, come on, come on, touchdown, Dolphins. And literally just tackled uh, Kira <laughs> to the ground. And yeah, so he wasn't, Kira wasn't really pleased, to be honest. Um so that's a bit of a fun story for everyone, you know. Um, that's brilliant. I love that so much. Yeah. And then at that point, uh, you know, the... Just trying to think what happened then. Sorry, I lost track now. The Dolphins then score from a kickoff return as well. So things just get bad from worse. It was just literally the second quarter. The game just turned on its head. So you're 7-7. Then all of a sudden with a blink of eye, it's 21-7 to the Dolphins. Um, Goff at that point then I think he's feeling under pressure thinking that he needs to start making a play because they're 21-7 down he then throws another interception which thankfully at that point the Dolphins don't capitalise on but then they get the ball back the Rams do and what does uh, Goff do under pressure he loses the football Van Noy then recovers and goes towards the end zone Gaskin then rushes in for the touchdown and it's 28-7 after that, really, nothing else much happened in the game. Um, Robert Woods got a touchdown. Um, no, sorry, they got the field goal initially to make it 28-10. Uh, Robert Woods got a, uh, a, a second touchdown of the game. Um, and then the vital thing was less than four minutes with the game left. Uh, the Rams are trying to come back into the game. Kai Forbath um, misses uh, the field goal attempt. So I think it was a 48-yard field goal attempt, if memory serves me correctly. It was just under 50 yards. Um, It was was a manageable one, but it just went way, way wide. Um, So their kicking problems continue. So they had Sloman in previously. Uh, Now they've had Kai fall back in. And, you know, it's just... it's just. I mean, I was furious in the draft when they didn't get Blankenship. So this further emphasises the need of having, you know, a good kicker because they get that... They get those three points. It's a one deficit, you know, one touchdown game. Their defense is looking good at that point as well. The Rams' defense. I mean, you know, the Dolphins didn't get any points after, you know, in in the second half. So if they made another stop on the Dolphins' um, offense, which I'm pretty certain they would have, because like I said, Tua didn't really do much um, in the game. Um, the Rams could have easily got another touchdown, so it's an absolute um, vital, you know, vital thing for them that they do need a kicker, and that's going to cost them, you know, in in games down the line. So I do, I do worry for them. I mean, in terms of the offense, in terms of the Dolphins, you just got to 
you just got to give them credit. To be honest, they've um, you know they're they're hanging in there in games, and the defense is making you know some really good plays. Unbelievable plays. Yeah. So you know they're looking good, four and three. Um, if Fitzmagic was in there, would they have won by a higher margin? Probably. I think it could have been. I think they would have. Yeah. 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 You look at the Forty ers game they had a few weeks back, and they completely annihilated them. I think if they had Fitzmagic in there, it would have been a very very similar game. And I think that's the difference between him and Tua. I, I, I still don't understand the Tua decision, to be honest, because for me, it's only when you're out of playoff contention and the pressure's off do you bring Tua in um, whilst you're still competing. Um, and and I, think, I think this decision is going to have a massive, massive implications for the Dolphins. But they're probably just worried about sort of draft position, really. I mean, they've got a couple of picks in the first round next year. They realise yeah. they realize Houston is going to be an early pick given their record so you know really you know they're just sort of you know i think we debated this a not weeks not... ago didn't we and i think I yeah think we did yeah yeah because of all the, the sound issues but it makes it makes perfect sense to me to bring to her in now because would you rather know that he's really bad this season or know that he's really bad next season but whilst you're still in contention they're for the playoffs and in the afc they're not going. What's yeah, the but, point? Yeah, but, <laughs> they know they're not going to win it. So but then what's, what's the, the point? point? But then what's the point with thirty other teams competing? Well, just because of Kansas. they're not going to no, because other teams have actually got a chance. You can't. The Kansas City would annihilate this, this Dolphins team because they didn't score yeah, any points in the their, second half. Look, the Dolphins have already got an early pick next year with how bad Houston mm-hmm. are doing. Why not try and just compete and try and get into the playoffs? Just to bring just bring more interest to that fan base. I mean, their fan base is you know probably quite... the most loyal in the NFL. It's the, one of the no, biggest. No, but I was going to say that their attendances aren't very high. I mean, if you look at their state, I mean, I know obviously stadiums are empty now, but even before then, a lot of these stadiums. Thirty-six thousand was their average. Yeah, they've been through a lot. Yeah, they've got to, they've got to generate a bit of buzz. And my my argument is, you can bring to it in later on in the season, but only do it when you're actually out of playoff contention. That way, the pressure's off. Tua gets four or five games because let's face it, if if the Dolphins aren't going to compete anyway, then. Just put two in for the last four or five games. Why bring him in now when you've still got exactly a small yes. chance of getting in the playoffs? I just don't I understand have, it. I would have used Fitzmagic to the point where it's like we're not going to make the playoffs and then give you know two of that last two games and yeah. just get him in. After that massive hip injury, it'll almost be like a full year out. He's had massive rehab. He's fit and healthy. But as Ryan's saying as well, is... And I never said Nick. I said right, <laughs> and I'm doing quite well now. Is is basically this is your future. This is your quarterback. We've had a good start. Just bring him in now and just let him get used to the reps. Let him get used to being tackled hard. Let's get his body ready. So if come next season, he's he's good to go. Uh, I can see it from both sides. It's a it's a real it's a difficult one. It's a difficult one. Yeah, I think it makes sense from Flores. If if he knows he's got the the security and it doesn't matter what he does really this year, then bring Tua through. Even if he gets absolutely bludgeoned, if he starts looking good towards the end of the year, then you know there's they're, they're growing pains. He doesn't have to go through next year when you've got two first round picks and a good second round pick, and the defense is going to be a year older because they're looking they were looking pretty decent on defense last year. Now they're looking really good. Yeah. 
but they're still not, they're, they still need yeah. those, a couple of extra little pieces to put them over the edge. But and then they can challenge with yeah. Buffalo yeah. next year, can't they? So, no, absolutely. I mean, Suk, obviously, your boy's going to be watching, but we've got Rams, Seahawks, we've got Bucks, Rams, you've got Rams, 49ers, you've got Cardinals, Rams, you've got Rams, Patriots, Rams, Jets. Seahawks, Rams, and then Rams, Cardinal. I mean, if you look at that NFC West now, it's it's basically Seahawks, Cardinals all the way, all the way. It could be, yeah, it could be. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of base it on this one result. I think Goff, you know, has a has a, had a really, really bad off day. Um, you know, Sean McVay is going to have a game plan up his sleeve. I, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if they, and I'm saying this and a lot, I wouldn't even be surprised if they beat the Bucks uh, when they play them. It's it, they're just such a unpredictable team, and, and that whole division, uh, the NFC West, is is unpredictable. Um, the Forty Nine ers I think, obviously going too late, but they're sort of out of contention with the injuries they've got. Understandably, I, I can't see any team that's going to cope with that many injuries. Mullins is. You know, he's decent. He's not going to get you far. Uh, Cardinals, once again, they're inconsistent as well. So you just don't know, um, really. Uh, hand on heart, if I was to sort of make a prediction now, I would say Rams would not make the playoffs. Um, hmm. And I, 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 w- I would say, yeah, Cardinals are most likely out of, the, out of the second spot in that division if there was a second spot. But, you know, we'll just have I just to love the way. I just love the way Kyler Murray's playing football. Did you see that play when he's thrown to Fitzgerald? And just before he actually throws the ball, he's smiling because he knows he's got him in the play. I mean, I just love his energy. He was, when he came into the draft, everyone, he was so small. His hands are so small. He's just, he's not going to do it. Look what he's doing now. Mm. He's setting the league alight. I think, I think this guy is a special, special talent. And I think the Cardinals mm. are on to big things as well. Yeah, he's still he's still a bit inconsistent, but he's he's getting there. As I say, he's um, you know he's had a couple of bad games. I remember there's that Jets game he had. He, he wasn't he wasn't firing on all cylinders. But yeah, to be honest, he's um, he, he's done well. He, he's definitely going to be up there. You know, talked about in terms of one of the top QBs in the league. So you know, at least at least the top top half in terms of the top sixteen, I would say he's up there. Thanks for that, Suk. I'm Kiri, if you're listening, I hope your father's done you proud. But we're going to go off to, I was going to say St. Nick, just to be smart. But we'll just we'll just go to Ryan. Now you've got the, as Jeff Reinbold. The Raiders. Raiders. Oh, what, yeah. this was uh, not an interesting game. <laughs> it was, it was interesting. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I mean, if anybody saw the wind in, o- in Ohio, in Cleveland this week, it was ridiculous. Like actually ridiculous. Take a look at the uh, the field goal that Daniel yeah, Carson on. misses in the first quarter of the game. It it starts off going wide right and ends up going wide left. It's a banana. It just curves all the way through. It's crazy, um, and it it kind of sets the stage. And you know you're not going to have a pass happy, really offensive masterclass on your hands when the wind's like that. You they ended up with four seasons throughout the entire game. There was sleet, hail, wind, rain, sun. It was not a, not a fun game to be playing, I don't think. At one point, it looked like there was a hurricane coming down. Yeah, I thought I was watching <laughs> Good Morning Britain, to be honest, when I... <laughs> w- watching the weather report. I thought I was, watch- I thought I was watching <laughs> Gavin Hastings taking a kick for Scotland. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't make for a for a firecracker of a match, does it? And 
to be honest, it's it's a bit of a shame because I think the Browns probably needed one and the Raiders did after these are two really inconsistent teams and they've both been up and down all season. Really, they? really, yeah. But I, I think both sets of fan bases are going to have to learn that you don't just go from really bad to really, really good in a season or two. It takes time to really set that culture and get the experience of grinding out games like this one that can push you further on in, in a few years' time. I mean, there's a reason. Also, yeah, like oh the, the Pittsburgh God. Steelers, yeah. Okay. I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to ignore it. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the first quarter was pretty dull, <laughs> apart from, you know, the missed field goal, which was crazy. Um, and it it pretty much came down to who could run the ball most effectively. And even though the Browns came in as one of the best, I think they were the best run offense in the league, it was Josh Jacobs who really won the game for the Raiders. He put them on their back, carried the ball 31 times for 128 yards in the pouring rain. And I think what the Raiders really did was control the clock. They ended up with the having the ball for a whole quarter longer than the Browns did. They had the ball 15 more minutes, and that's that's a recipe for winning the game. There were a couple of controversial moments, and if you really want to dive into those, Roger and Suk have gone into them on the officiating podcast this week. Uh, both teams had touchdowns ruled out. There was a Henry Ruggs touchdown where he was a judge to have, I don't know, the, the curl of the nail of his little toe touching the end zone which made him out of bounds mm. um i think the jarvis landry one was probably fair because it looks like he bobbles the ball as he goes to ground mm. but then if you call that one can you then give rent for the touchdown because there was a very similar kind of it, there was a lot of questionable yeah. calls from the refs in this one and um yeah if you if you want to d- dive into that definitely hit up the officiating podcast this week because roger's very good at that yeah can i can I also apologise to Henry Ruggs because I don't know why, but when we were doing the pod, I started talking like a, I started talking like what like one of those old um, football commentators because I was like the number eleven, and I knew it was Henry Ruggs, but for some reason, I just called him the number eleven, and I was like, whilst I was recording it, I don't know if you can tell him my voice, I was just a bit like, wow, that was rude. So I just, <laughs> I, I, and, it, and it actually bothered me. It actually bothered me because I thought. The fans are going to be like, God, he doesn't even know who Henry Ruggs is. And number two, I was just a bit disrespectful. So, yeah, apologies I... to Henry Ruggs the third, the second. <laughs> I'm not sure Henry first. really cares. And, 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 any, and any future oh, Henry Ruggs is There may be a few. Well. He's, he's been playing pretty well. You got yeah, that I feel better now. No, I feel... I'm glad we can be of service. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, yeah, Jarvis Landry was getting a lot of attention from Baker Mayfield. He got 11 targets, which, you know, when the passing game was pretty mediocre for both teams, 11 targets is a hell of a lot. I don't know if that's going to be the way it goes with OBJ out, because um, he he hit uh, Rashad Higgins a few times last last week, and his t- he seems to really rely on his tight ends, D- David N, if, whether he's going to be there for much longer. Nobody knows. Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a nothing game, really. Browns missed a field goal with two minutes left, but it wasn't really going to make much of a difference, to be honest. But they go into a bye at five and three, and I think if you told the Browns fans they'd be five and three at this time of season, the season, they'd take it. I, I would have. I was a Browns fan. Um, 
Paul Brown was looking to be seven and all. Really, like, really, really. God, okay. Never mind. <laughs> Better look next year, Paul. Uh, the Raiders are four and three as well. So they've got a lot. They've got a lot going for them, but the divisions they're in, there's no way they're going to catch up with Kansas or Pittsburgh. Oh, I said it now. Uh, or Baltimore. Um, it's. I think it's a season that the, the two teams need. They just need to build on it and not overhype themselves and not believe themselves too much, but just keep building. No, absolutely agreed. I agree with you there. So, where I'm on to next is... <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so basically, um, Dallas Cowboys, 23-9. Um, Suke, you've got the same text. <laughs> what you've got to say about that? <laughs> huh? Yes, we got that. I got the short straw. I got the short straw on this one. Um, it was in the group chat. Who's wanted? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be up for this game. I'm going to speak about this game. Yeah, um, you don't know. You, you've got it lucky, mate. You don't. You don't know. You don't know it what it's it certainly about. wasn't. It wasn't pretty, man. But I mean, you know, the Eagles. I mean, they took down the Dallas Cowboys, twenty-three-nine, um, on that Sunday night game um, with the victory. They remain in the first place in the. Shitster, dumpster, fire, NFC East. They're three, four, and one. The Cowboys fall to two and six and have lost their, well, they've lost three in a row eh, since losing that Prescott for the season. Um, what, what can I say about this? I mean, the, the Cowboys started the game with the ball and drove into Philadelphia's territory. The drive stalled. However, after Ben DiNucci um, was sacked for 12 yards. Now, before I even go more on this, if, I don't know if you guys have watched a recap on the highlights. But they did everything possible to make sure that Ben did not throw the ball. It was just, it was run, 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 run. There was no way he was being allowed um, to, to, to throw the ball. But he was sacked for 12 yards and pushed them back on the first down. Then they got still back at uh, that field game, um, goal range um, on the next two downs, setting um, to the 31. Greg Zunaline legged a 49-yarder to put the Cowboys up 3-0. Things looked dire, and I'm being quite nice here, um, for the Eagles as Carson Wentz was strip-sacked in the own 35-yard line. The Eagles returned the favour by strip-sacking Danucci on the second in goal at their own 17. Philadelphia capitalised on this as they drove down the, the, the field 83 yards on 10 plays. Wentz found his new favourite receiver, uh, Travis Fullingham, uh, for a big 32-yard patch which helped set up the birds or the Eagles, or whatever you want to call this team. Um, the returning Jalen Rager um, then came up with a two-yard touchdown catch. Um, the, the, the Jake Elliott extra point put the Eagles up 7-3 and three, uh, with two seconds left in the first quarter. Um, the second quarter began with the Cowboys going three and out before Wentz was strip-sacked again. Dallas recovered the fumble um, at the Eagles 46. They went 15 yards on six plays to set up another 49-yard field goal um, off the leg of Zulerian. Um, the teams then traded punts. Um, the Eagles looked to be set up as Greg Ward returned the Cowboys' punt to the 49. But just a couple of plays later, Wentz obviously sailed up. It was a crazy pass intended for Rager, but into the end zone. The pass looked like it was going to be incomplete, but then Trayvon Diggs somehow he actually came up with the interception, dragging his knee in the end zone. The Cowboys didn't capitalise on this as he had another three and out. And the Eagles also had a quick drive and turned the ball over on downs as, well, at the Dallas 44. And with just 30 seconds left in the half, 
the Cowboys went 14 yards in five plays. Um, Zuralin um, then booted um, a line drive kick that squeezed through the uprights for 15 yards um, that put the Cowboys 9-7 um, at half time. <sighs> the second half started with Wentz getting kicked, obviously. Um, we're getting picked, not kicked, um, by Diggs again. Um, and he should have been kicked. He should have been actually punted out. Um, intended for John Hightower. The Cowboys went 35 yards in 10 plays, but Zuralin missed the field goal um, this time from 52 yards. After the Eagles started at their own 49, they found played up in nine plays. Wentz found Dallas Godert for 15 yards on third down. He connected with Fulinum in the end zone, and a few plays later, the Eagles went for two and converted as Wentz completed the pass um, to Rago. Um, that put the Eagles up uh, 15-9 with two minutes remaining and the third quarter. So the Cowboys obviously still had plenty of chances um, to come back in the game, but they turned the ball over on downs on their first drive and the first quarter after taking four minutes off the clock. Even after that, they still had a shot as they forced an Eagles three and out, starting with the ball at their own 29 with over 11 minutes left. It looked like they were actually in a good position to march down and actually take the lead. Uh, the Cowboys marched to the Eagles 21 in six minutes, but then Danucci was strip-sacked again. Oh, God, the Steelers are going to absolutely demolish him. I said that again. Um, the touchdown, but it pretty much sealed the deal for the Eagles as it turned to desperation time um, for the Cowboys. So... The Eagles head into their bye week before taking on the New York Giants in week 10. The Cowboys head back home to face the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers as things don't get easy, any easier for them. Uh, I'm sorry for all you Cowboys fans listening right now. Um, they also don't have their bye week following in that till week 10. These two teams don't meet again until week 16. Did any of you guys actually stay up and watch this or did you just do a recap? No, I watched it in the morning. Um, I stayed up for the whole game and it was... Yeah, what, do you want a medal, watching. though? Please. Or in fact, yeah. give me a Super Bowl. Give me seven. No. Give me seven. What was that noise you made earlier as well? Like, are you trying to get a job with the Denver Broncos or something, making that horse noise? <laughs> You're going to be the new... Uh... Have you heard the sound noise that they make whenever they get a first down? <laughs> yeah. That's Stuart's new job when this podcast doesn't work out because they're sick of fans are sick of hearing about the Steelers. The Scottish Bronco. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dick. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so anyway, did any of you guys no. painfully no, watch this? I didn't even follow. Not live. Good. I, I didn't watch it live because uh, I had obviously Monday Night Football to watch which we'll go into and then obviously Tuesday I was going to watch um, something else which I won't mention but yeah so I decided to take Sunday night take a break from it that's probably fair you've done good yeah you've done good you've done good so anyway we will bypass that because it is not even worth talking about um, but I will give Suki the absolute honour of talking about the Buccaneers. How did you feel about that result? Well, I'm not talking about the Buccaneers first. I'm going to be talking about the... Uh, still, got the still got the Bears Saints to talk about. So I have. <laughs> Jeez, oh. Hey. I actually, just, I, just dropped my, I actually just dropped my notes and just went straight off into the final part of the book. <laughs> I know. 
I was actually that bored talking about the Are you <laughs> that last game. I was just yeah, I just zoned out. I was like, yeah, yeah. we're talking about Bucks now. We're just going. You just got but the Saints, you just got knocked out, didn't you? And speaking of knockout, just got knocked out. The Saints though, that I, I enjoyed that game. Yeah, you didn't get the punt, did you? Knockout. Yeah, I did get, punch. I did get the pun. I did get the pun, buddy. Jesus. Christmas is next month. Come on, mate. <laughs> Saints versus Bears. So obviously, for all the wrong reasons, unfortunately, but we'll try and obviously talk about the the game itself. But we have to first of all talk about Javon Wims and that yes moment of stupidity on his part. I mean, what goes through a player's head when? They're doing that. I know, uh, to be fair, I know Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's not the most liked fella. I mean, I know even his own wide receiver, Michael Thomas, knocked him out a few weeks back. But, yeah, he's just he's just not liked by wide receivers, is he, this boy? And um, Sorry, Suk, um, sorry to interrupt. I've actually not looked too much into what actually happened. But was it traded insults during like the play before? So I think what happened was uh, Gardner Johnson had an incident. I think it was with Anthony Miller where he kind of got in his face. And then they went on to the next play. When that play was over, you literally just see Chauncey Gardner Johnson's got his uh, back to uh, Wims. He just comes up to him and just punches him. Well, first of all, he tries to take his chain off, apparently. Yeah, so there was another chain incident. Uh, We haven't had one of them since we had Adam... Pac-Man Jones in the NFL, but yeah, yeah I thought those chain uh, incidents were gone, but sadly they've come back and um, you know, it's just just unfortunate and obviously the two-game ban, I don't know, I mean I know we sort of talk about it with Roger and the officiating podcast, but I just think for that sort of fuggery, you need to be off for a lot longer than sort of two games, to be honest. Could you imagine doing that in the Premiership football? I mean, Jesus, it's, it's Eric Cantona, you know, yeah. for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, look at the drama that had, and, and this is just, you know, it's just crazy. But that's, uh, you know, it's American sports, but I mean, look at hockey. I mean, they, they always punch each other's lights out. So, um, you know, it's just, just one of those things that is kind of accepted. Yeah. But there's a lot of testosterone going on in these sort of, you know, games, high energy. So it's just, just one of those things, isn't it? But sort of, Going back to the game, um, although on the surface you look at it being overtime, um, you know, an exciting finish to the game, I didn't really find myself captivated by watching this match, to be honest. Um, I just wasn't, I couldn't really get into it. And I don't know if that was just boring cut QB play, but it was just something for me where there was a lot of field goals that were sort of trading back and forth. Um a nice touchdown by Alan Robinson early on in the second quarter. I thought it was a great dive he made to get that touchdown catch to make it 13-3. Um, sort of the big play in the game really was sort of three seconds to go at the end of the half when um, Breeze found Jared Goff in the end zone. Uh, that touchdown was vital because at that point, the Bears looked like they'd sort of comfortably going with a 13-3 lead at halftime. And when you, if you're 13-3 off or even 13-6, you know, with that Bears defense, you think you know you've got half a chance of winning this game. But when it was at thirteen ten, you know the Saints put themselves back in contention for yeah, the game. 
Uh, once again, in the second half, they swapped field goals to make it 16-13. And then one of the vital plays of the game was a Foles interception, which the Saints did capitalise on, uh, you know, with a touchdown um, to make it 23-13. The Bears came back into it with uh, a third and goal attempt, which Darnell Mooney um, got a touchdown to make it 23-20. And then... One of the vital plays in the game, which we talk about in the officiating podcast, was the uh, Cole Komet incident, where he um, rightly, I mean, he was rightly called, but he, he loses the ball, and initially it's given as a Saints recovery of the ball, but rightly so, because he was pushed back, um, that's been, the ball's basically been given back to the Bears. The Bears then still capitalise on that and get um, the field goal, they get a uh, 51-yard, I think, field goal attempt, which was successful to put it into overtime. Uh, You've got to give sort of the offence credit there because it was third and 19 at one point with the ball being in the Bears' half and you didn't think they'd sort of capitalise on that, but they did. Um, and then overtime, really, once again, both teams are sort of struggling on offence to try and put up anything. So they were just trading punts back and forth. And then eventually, I think the Saints found a way to sort of get through that Bears defence. Um, you know, they used Kamara quite well in, in those sort of drives. Um, so credit to them. And then obviously they had the very simple field goal, which won it at the end. So, yeah, the Saints um, obviously got the books this weekend. So that will be an interesting game. That game will sort of go a long way to seeing who wins that particular division. Um, the Bears really, you know, not doing anything too special on offense. You know, the running game, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's anything special. Montgomery's not really, you know, let anyone's fire. And the same goes with the, the Bears, really. They only really use Alan Robinson, who looks like he can make big plays. I know they've got Mooney, who's, who scored a touchdown, and Miller, you know, he... Miller's doing okay. Um, Jimmy Graham seems to have gone off the radar now the last few weeks. So he had that early start to the season where people were talking about the sort of rejuvenation of Jimmy Graham. But I think that's kind of sort of tailored off now, hasn't it? Um, And yeah, the Saints are the Saints. As I say, Breeze is, you know, he's he's doing a, a much better job than he was doing sort of earlier in the season. I think I sort of jinxed um, the Saints... Well, jinxed in the opposite way. I, I think as soon as I started criticizing Drew Brees, he started to play a bit better now. So, uh, Bucks fans, you can thank me for that. So, apologies in advance. But I, <laughs> I, I just want to go out on the limb and say I think uh, Drew Brees is going to have a career day against the Bucks this weekend. No, me neither. I don't see it. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to turn the jinx. Uh, the no, other you've way unjinxed it. So. See what I'm trying to do. Yeah. It's... No, so I'm saying Breeze is going to have yes. a, a massive game and I, I really <laughs> rate it on. I don't know about the Saints <laughs> this year. They're really letting the Bucks have a chance at winning the division, aren't they? They're just not not quite there. I mean, they've only lost two games, I guess, but yeah. They're... Big time, yes. Can we stop talking about that? No. Just, I'm just firing something yeah. out here. Do you think this is Drew Breeze's last season? I don't, I don't think he can yeah. push it another year. I, I think it is. I genuinely believe it is. No. No, definitely not. It's just going to see. It's going to be interesting to see how that franchise goes forward. And obviously, the backup quarterback, well, Taysom Hill, pick Winston. It's just, it's they, they paid so much money to Taysom yes. Hill this year, and 
Yes. I, I just can't see that going well at all. Yeah, crazy. But um, no. they've not really paid him to be a quarterback. Paid him a quarterback they just paid him to be like well, an offensive weapon. Um, but, yes. And they keep yeah. saying, yeah, he's like, he's the man. But um... Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm interested to see that comes out. I, I I just see the Buccaneers firing all cylinders. There's there's no there's no way that the Bucks lose this one. Like they're, they're, they're hot <laughs> on it. Um, who we got next? Because I was I was already onto the Bucks for the final one, and I rudely interrupted you. Definitely two not guys. Big Jimmy Are G. Are we going on to Big Jimmy G's Niners? Wow. Oh man, yeah, 49ers 27, <laughs> Seahawks 37, and I I don't know. The game was both. As close as wow. the scoreline suggests it was, and not at the same time. It was a very strange game. Um, the Seahawks really didn't look good on the first couple of possessions. The Niners were stuffing them. They were really pressing the receivers. Wilson didn't have much time at all. But it doesn't yes. really account for Jimmy G putting in his bad week. Good week, bad week, good week, bad week with Jimmy G, isn't it? And he's... The interception that he threw towards the end of the first quarter was pretty poor. I don't know whether it was his fault or Kittle's, but it just didn't make it. Uh, he ends up getting picked off by DJ Reed, who is a former 49er, so I bet you'll love that. Um, and that just allowed Seattle to actually get a drive going, because before that we'd just been punting the ball away off uh, really short drives. And, you know, you give Russell Wilson a chance, we say every week, he's going to make you pay. Um, this week it was DK Metcalf. DK's turn to get all the targets, 15 targets, 12 completions, and he took this the ball that Wilson threw him, took it in space. Metcalf runs all the way to the sideline, manages to get the edge on the 49ers defenders, and going in a straight line, as Buda Baker found out, you, you can't beat DK Metcalf. You've got to be right in front of him. Um, and that kind of let the, the floodgates open a little bit. The, the yes. 49ers weren't actually too bad in the, the first half at all. It was 13-7 at half time because Jason Myers missed an extra point, first one of the season. That's always a good omen when you're playing the 49ers to miss an extra point. Um, but they just didn't look good. Um, Jimmy G, yeah, they put some drives together, but all of his throws were 10, 15 yards max. He wasn't trying to air it out down the field. Um, they couldn't really get the run game going. Tevin Coleman came back off injured reserve and got injured a few plays in. So they had Jermichael Hasty, which is still the best name for a running back, I think. Uh, he he did okay, but he's again, he's not going to pull the team <laughs> forward, is he? And the 49ers really started struggling. But the, the play that really turned it around was uh, in the third quarter, Seattle go down the field and score through a DJ Dallas receiving touchdown where he was just wide open in the end zone. Not quite sure what happened on that play. And then Dante Pettis returning the kickoff, loses the ball on the kick return and basically gets himself released because I'm fairly sure the 49ers just released him this week. After this, loses the fumble. The Seahawks capitalise six plays later. Russell Wilson manages to stay alive in the pocket and throws a very odd pass to David Moore. Moore brings it in, and you know, all of a sudden, at one another field goal later, it's seven thirty, and it's just the game turned on a that big fumble on the kick return, really, and it was just completely out of reach for San Francisco. So, Carl Shanahan decided to, you know, 
opened Pandora's box once again. He'd shut it a couple of weeks ago and he opened it, pulls Jimmy G out. And now we know that Jimmy G is injured, but I mean, even his performances this year, even when he's not been injured, haven't been amazing. Um, he puts in Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins then goes 18 of 25, 238 yards and two touchdowns, completely outshines Jimmy G. And once again, we're talking, is Jimmy G that good? Or is he just in a system that really can use him? And I think we're definitely airing towards the latter at the moment, aren't we? You can say that, I mean, you can say that, yeah, he was injured and Seattle's defense were up by 23 points, so they softened up, but now they... Mullins was throwing the ball downfield. He was, I mean, he wasn't perfect. He nearly threw a good few interceptions, but at least he was chancing it. And it, it really didn't make much sense considering all the problems that Seattle secondary's got, that Jimmy G was being so conservative. But again, as the 49ers, uh, I mean, they're four and four at the bottom of the NFC West. They're not technically out of it, but they've got 20 players on injured reserve. 20 players. They could basically... They could basically field an entire team. It's crazy. Yeah, they're big names. No, and, and the names as well. Names. It's not even the. There's not even Kittle, the quantity. Kittle Bosa, Thomas Kittle, Ford, Sherman, Nick Bosa. It's yeah. It's Sherman not a good ball. year for the 49ers, but yeah. oh well, watch him. <laughs> I'm, I'm so sad. Oh no, terrible. Uh, yeah, Kittle <laughs> will be a big loss. He's basically out for the season now. It's going to be eight, eight or so weeks. There's, there's no way he's coming back. There's no way they're getting into the postseason yeah. without him because he was pretty much their passing threat. Although Brandon Ayuk was looking pretty good again with Nick Mullins in there. He was getting going. Ayuk. Yeah. But yeah, Seahawks. I'm coming off last week's loss, we really needed a win. We got it. I don't. Somehow, I don't feel much better. But at least we showed we can put the hammer down on offense and really push ourselves away from a team if we need to. I think it's really going to tell when we get Dunlap, maybe Snacks Harrison, Jamal Adams comes back hopefully next week. And Chris Carson as well. We really missed him because he really sets the the tone of the game, being able to push through some tackles. But six and one is much better than five and one, especially with the Cardinals breathing down our necks. So we'll see how it goes. Again, we've got a lot of NFC East teams, I think, still to play. But a lot of NFC West games as well. Um, I'm not ready to call not ready to call this season for us just yet. I can see it going either way still. No, absolutely. And thank you so much for that, um, Ryan. I'm He's going to get royalties soon, isn't he? Name, but I'm, getting, I'm, I'm getting better with having Ryan on the podcast now just <laughs> just having that many people now in the network, it's, it's it's impossible to know who is who. But Suk, um, not putting you on the spot here, but the Bucks. Wow, Monday night. Yeah, football. tense. It was Tom Tom Brady right up against his the team that's cost him two Super Bowls. To mm. be honest, and he came in. I think he delivered. Did you stay up and watch? Yeah, of course. Um, it was quite tense, to be honest, and at times. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll be honest. There's times when we were going through certain plays, like field field goal attempts. <laughs> I kind of had to look away from the screen. I literally didn't want. I, I I'm not joking. <laughs> I just, I just, I've been there. I just, it was just so tense. It was like one of them where it's Monday night and you think I've invested so much to watching this team tonight, and if they just let me down, it's going to be so frustrating. Um, 
I did I did the bad thing as well by going on social media and seeing a lot of Giants fans sort of moaning, etc. And part of that was sort of infuriating me, but I'll uh, I'll sort of go into that a bit later. But in terms of the the actual game itself, um, I thought the book started off well with the first drive. I mean, it was it was a very decent drive, and unfortunately, it didn't result in any sort of touchdown. But you know, we got the field goal, and you know, you're three zero, and you think, yeah, this is gonna this is gonna turn out okay. It's gonna be you know just sort of a normal books game. Um, that's further emphasised when the Giants have their first drive and do nothing with the ball as well. And then you think, yep, you know, what we'll do is we'll keep scoring on each sort of offensive um, drive we have. As long as we keep putting little points on the board, three points here and there, you know, be an easy win. But then, you know, things at that point when you just started to feel a bit comfortable as a Bucks fan, um, Ronald Jones, you know, loses the football. So it was a bit of a bizarre one. You know, he, he catches the ball, he goes down on his knees, doesn't get touched and he thinks, oh, I can get a couple of more yards here. And maybe it's a mistake on his part, you know, because he's still a young player. So, you know, hopefully he can maybe learn from getting this out, you know, you know, learning in terms of how not to do this in the future. He, he lost, loses the football when he sort of gets up and tries to get a couple of more yards in. In the position where we were on the field, that was really silly of him, to be honest. And then... Um, the Giants capitalised on that and Dion Lewis got the touchdown to make it 7-3. Um, at that point, Daniel Jones is having a pretty decent game and, and even sort of and even, yeah, and even yeah. last year, he, he did a real number on the book. So I think I said this in last week's podcast, I, I had lots of concerns going into this game and I just really wanted to come out with any sort of victory. Um, at that point then, um, the Gi- we can't do anything on offence you know, back and forth. And then in the second and goal, um, the Giants make it 14-3, which, you know, at that point you get a bit worried, don't you, as a Bucks fan, because you think, oh, is it going to be one of, them, one of them days? I still had a bit of confidence going in, thinking, yeah, we could come back into this. One of the key plays in the game was a pass interference call on James Bradbury. Um, I thought it was an obvious pass interference call, but I know there were a few Giants fans saying that it was ridiculous, but... I could see it from my vantage point watching home on TV, so I don't understand how they, you know, anyone sort of missed that. You know, um, that resulted in then Brady to Gronk touchdown. Uh, we unfortunately failed the two-point conversion. Um, and then at that point, it's, it just ends up being tense because at the end of the third quarter, Giants have a field goal uh, to put themselves ahead. Um the Bucks then had a, a great drive, which then resulted in a short Mike Evans touchdown to make it 22-17. Um, and then... Uh, there was that lead field yeah, goal the extension field goal, yeah, the margin. Yeah, so it was yeah. 25-17 at that point. And then... Needing a two-point conversion to force overtime, like, woof. Sorry, the line just went a bit funny there. Um, can you guys hear me okay? Yeah. This was really frustrating. It was sort of the last drive of the game. So we had so many chances. The Bucks did sort of close out the game. Um, I think even at one point, there was like fourth and 17 and the Giants just kept getting the first downs. And I thought, what's going on here? Um, and then they end up getting the touchdown with uh, Golden Tate. Um, yeah, which... Tate, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I had to go for obviously the 20 seconds to go. Um, At the end, when I initially saw the footage in live version, I actually thought, yeah, it's pass interference. But then actually having to break the play down, I think the right decision was made at the end because you can see that he's um, Anton Winfield is looking at the ball. He then is running towards the defender at the same time, but the ball hits his arm first and then he hits the defender. So... Really, I don't think you can call pass interference on that particular play. Um, I think the Giants will definitely feel that they've lost, um, that they didn't capitalise because our secondary was there to be had, to be honest. I mean, I thought Sean Murphy Bunting, Jamel Dean had poor games. Uh, I know Sean Murphy Bunting did get one interception, but he could have done better at the uh, Golden Tate touchdown uh, towards the end of the game, in my opinion. Um, Daniel Jones missed out on a lot of lot of big throws where if he got his target, um, you know, the the game could have been out of the equation by sort of half time, you know, even in the third quarter. So um unlucky for Giants yes. fans, but then for the books perspective, a win is a win and you kinda have to have these sort of games in order to know what you're about. I think you can't just always go in there just beating teams by you know, two, three score margins. Sometimes winning games like this really shows, you know, how a team's metal is. Yeah. And and Sook, Sook, I'm not jumping in here and saying all Pittsburgh Steelers, but we're going into Dallas. Like, no, but listen, listen, we're going into Dallas thinking we're going to steal. No, I, I don't this. think that's the case. This no, no the this, is, this is completely this different. The, the Giants skin. have still been so I, I get somewhat... Competitive. I mean, I don't think they've lost many games by, um, you know, high scores this season. With the Cowboys, you're getting. I mean, there's even talk that Danucci might even get sort of dropped for this game. So, who are you going to play, Cooper Rush? Yeah, they've actually yeah. just they've actually got an automatic throne machine to replace him. <laughs> <laughs> And, and he'll just better move job, about and just throw the ball like he's non-existent. <laughs> oh. Do you know, I, I just remember like when me, you and Gareth, we started this podcast and we started doing the draft and we were all just talking. The Cowboys were such an exciting team, you know. And when they drafted mm. C.D. Lamb and you were just looking at that offence, it was like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it's, a lot of it's down to bad luck as well. It's I mean, phenomenal. Even before, the, phenomenal. even before the press got injury, though, I mean, they they weren't they weren't of course that good. I mean, they only, they only managed to obviously beat the Falcons after being, you know, behind by so much, really. And they're not... You know, Prescott was the only sort of shining light in that team. Yeah. You know, he was on for record-breaking numbers in terms of yardage. But the rest of the team, that secondary has let him down. Um, you know, uh, they've been absolutely woeful this year. Um... I've seen, I've mm. seen a lot on the internet. But do you think that they'll sack Mike McCarthy? I would. Do you think Jerry Jones will just? I, I didn't rate him when he just... came in, to be honest. So yeah, I would. I would as well. I genuinely. Yeah, I, I've, I've seen a lot of smoke on Yeah, you never know. I, I personally think the Cowboys need to look at... will move on from Mike McCarthy. <laughs> no, I, I, no, I mean, in terms of if, if, if they're going to look Get for a head coach, Jones. I think they need to just... <laughs> why not just go back to doing... Just getting someone from, you know, from college. I mean, you've got, obviously, you know, some very good 
head coaches there. Uh, I think McCarthy was a bit of a strange one for me. No. <laughs> what, what about Tony Romo? Yeah, John, John Elway's <laughs> proved that it doesn't always work, does it? He knows the game. He talks a good game. He's like Gary... He, he, yeah, it's like Gary Neville. He's probably one of the best soccer analysis. But then he went to Valencia. Yeah. No, and I'd like to see... Um, I'd like to see the Cowboys Oklahoma, to be honest. Um, I think Oklahoma now, his job's done there. He's, you know, he hasn't got any sort of... Um, he can't really do anything further with that sort of team. So... What, why not just get him? I mean, there's always been talk about sort of Lincoln Riley as well at, at the Cowboys. Yeah, so yeah. it might be the chance now to sort of pull the trigger there. That's what I'd personally do if I was the Cowboys, but we'll have to see. I think Jerry doesn't want to wait for another rebuild, does he? Well, he's going to have to. I mean, there's well, decisions yeah. to be made in that front no, office. I mean, um, you know, if they, get, if they get, say, the first one of the first two picks in the draft and you know, Trevor Crazy. Lawrence is there. Do you cut? Do you you know cut the lead on uh, Dak Prescott and say, okay, let's just go with Lawrence? I I, I probably would and save that money on cap space and use Prescott, it to yeah. then rebuild the rest of your team. I think every Dallas the every Dallas loss at the moment just adds another million onto Dak's price tag for next year. Next- why why not Dak for MVP? Well, because you're not playing. Yeah. Well, yeah, but look at he he turned he had a team that was competitive. Take him out. But he only won. He still only won one game though, didn't he? Uncompetitive. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, yes, he did. Oh yeah, no, that didn't count. The the second one, one and a half games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well. That yeah, number four. Fascinating show, Nick. Nick. I'm going to make that my what, middle is name. This your fourth show now. Nick, Nick Ryan. It's my middle Nick name Ryan. now. Seat That's Nick. all good. Seat Nick. Seat Nick. Seat Nick. <laughs> if you actually look in the group chat... I know. I, I noticed that as well. I wasn't going to mention it. But actually, I didn't notice Nick. that. That's Nick. really disrespectful. <laughs> That's really disrespectful you to know? Ryan. I mean, oh, you're funny, I... mate. He's a, he does a better <laughs> job than you. I'm Because I'm... <laughs> I, I, I absolutely believe he does, but when you're dealing with you, Nick, um, Christian, uh, Christian, uh, Roger, I, I, I remember don't know, everyone's as names. we see in Scotland, my arse. So they're they're written right there. Me. It's fine. So, but <laughs> yeah, you're, but Suk, you're, you're involved in every podcast. <laughs> like, you're literally involved in every podcast, but guys, Thank you so much again for being part of this. Um, my kidneys are good tonight, and I just want to say a good Goodbye, night. guys. Stay to safe. Fans. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Good night, boys. <laughs> you too, Stephen. Good night. Have a good night, uh, Nick, Ryan.